Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Howdy, Tiger Rebel fans. Welcome to the signing day edition of Red Cup Reacts. I am Whiskey Wednesday. Um, I go by Brad on this radio show and also have with me Juco All-American, who uh, generates a whole lot of content for the blog, as well as uh, Bob, who writes as the ghost of Jay Cutler. Uh, where are you calling from, guys? Uh, this is Juco. I'm calling from Durham, North Carolina with my fancy schmancy headset so you can hear me better than when I call on my crap, crap phone. Yeah. Yeah, this is Bob. I'm, uh, yeah, hey, hey, everybody. This is Bob. I am uh, on a bus. So I'm going to, so pardon the, uh, the chatter and the, and the noises and stuff, but I'm just so excited about signing day that I had to call in from a bus. <laughs> That's right. Cool. Uh, yeah, so we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, National Signing Day has become kind of this, you know, national holiday amongst college football fans. And this year is no different. It keeps getting uh, crazier and crazier every year. And uh, maybe the past few years, we've kind of escaped the uh, the bug of having, you know, our, our you know, longstanding commitment split elsewhere at the last minute. But uh, this year, we're kind of particularly unlucky. Uh, some some good things happened to us today, but some some pretty... Uh, discouraging stuff happened today, and we're going to talk about all of it, I guess. Um, so I guess maybe let's first kind of spitball on first impressions of this class. Do you, you want to talk for a minute about maybe your first impression and how that kind of evolved over the day? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that – so I guess for the last few days, since Leo Lewis, I guess, decommitted on Friday – I've been a little bit sour about things, and uh, I heard from a few sources that things had really turned around in a good way for Ole Miss with a lot of these guys, and then that, that didn't happen today. And, um, you know, I don't fault those people or anything. They were passing along information that they had found from people. Um, but I guess all of that sort of culminated with me being pretty, pretty down about the class. Um, and my initial perception without taking a step back was uh, that it was a really awful class, um, the type of class that kind of would get us back into the, this is irrational, but to get us back into the like Houston nut three win type of season, uh, I guess Ed Orgeron had them too. And David Cutcliffe had one four win season. Um, just really because of Drew Richmond and the tremendous impact that he could have potentially had had he signed with Ole Miss, I think that he would have been just monumentally helpful to attempting to maybe not replace Laramie Tunsil when he leaves early, but you know, just not have something awful there. Um, I think that Ole Miss just 
had difficulty meeting it, or the coaches had difficulty meeting their needs a little bit. I mean, you know, the, the best thing about the class is probably the two four-star wide receivers, Demarcus Lodge and Van Jefferson, who are really, really good, but Ole Miss is not hurting a receiver. Uh, I mean, they're not as spectacular as a lot of people think, I would say, but, you know, it wasn't a position of need at all. Um, but over the course of the day, I, I started to – just sort of try to look at the class more objectively instead of as passionately as I had. And uh, I'm starting to come around. I mean, I, I don't think that Ole Miss can sign classes like this regularly and expect to, you know, regularly been, be in a position to compete for a championship. But I don't think that this is a, a dire type of situation. Actually, um, Hugh Freeze, I guess in his press conference and then also – uh, on the basketball game, which is going on right now, uh, has twice now said that Ole Miss signed 18 four-stars today. And um, that sounded crazy to me, but I haven't actually counted, but I've looked at several commitment lists and realized that there are a tremendous number of players who one site will have as a four-star and the others will have as a three. And so I guess what he's saying is that they signed 18 players who were rated as a four-star or higher by one of the sites. Uh, it, like, it's pretty uh, interesting. Like counting national championships if you're Alabama. <laughs> I, I guess so. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's all that disingenuous. You know, I mean... No. Certainly any coach is going to say, or any person who understands PR is going to paint whatever they've accomplished in the best light they can. Uh, and it's not like he is saying that they signed 18 four-stars because DeMarcus Lodge was a four-star on three sites, so that counts for, for three or something, <laughs> like, something like that. Uh, and I think that kind of but, – but this 18 four-star thing kind of speaks to the depth of the class. Um, Someone who uh, does math more than I do, even though I was a math minor, uh, kind of got the average uh, player rating. That's the word I'm looking for, player rating, for the last three classes, 2013, 2014, 2015. And this class actually was the highest rated according to uh, the 24-7 uh, sports composite. It just doesn't have the highest like the top five guys are nowhere near as good as the 2013 top five guys. Um, but I do think it's a very deep class. I don't think that, I guess it's too early to really know this, but it doesn't seem like they're, they've gotten a number of guys who are just head-scratchingly, you know, no other offers or anything like that. It seems like everybody that they got was, was wanted by other programs. So that, that's always a good sign. Yeah. Um, Bob, what are your uh, kind of overall thoughts? Well, I know we talked sparingly today about it. Well, I think that um, you kind of hit on so many points that I'll have to I'll keep my remarks brief. Basically, yeah, sorry. People, you know, it's fine. People want to focus on what went wrong, and not they don't want to focus on what went right. And I think you're seeing a lot of that in the way people are handling this. Um, everything else you hit on, I mean, yeah especially with what this means for the future with regards to Richmond, that sort of thing. You know, there are certainly things to hang your head about, but overall, you know, it's 
there's there's some depth there. I'm okay with it. Cool. Yeah, the the more I look at the class uh, compared with other classes, uh, surely there there may not be uh, an overwhelming feeling that that several guys in this class are are can't miss guys, you know, like we like we felt in uh, 2013. Um, but on the other end of the spectrum, there aren't guys that you look at and you say, like, I wish we just hadn't signed this guy at all. Um, you know, everybody uh, either appears to have a good bit of promise or is at such a vital position that we had to have somebody and, you know, this is, uh, you know, absolutely the best that the coaches could do given the situation. Um, you know, a good example of that is Sean Curtis, uh, the linebacker that we kind of picked up out of nowhere from uh, South Florida this morning. So, you know, obviously we knew things were going poorly with Leo Lewis, and we had kind of been vetting this guy as a potential replacement, and there was word that he was sticking with his commitment to Pittsburgh, and we wouldn't get him and everything like that. But, the, you know, he ended up coming through, you know, for us in the clutch, and, you know, if we had gone this class without signing a high school linebacker, uh, that would have been just an unmitigated disaster. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's possible that, that Curtis, you know, won't, you know, won't contribute. It's possible that, you know, he'll, he'll sit back and we'll really need somebody to uh, replace him uh, in a year or two. But, you know, the coaches found a guy who plays in a good classification of football, who has great size, who appears to have good speed and who uh, racked up, you know, well over a hundred tackles. And you know, even though he's not rated high, uh, you know, kind of being you know screwed over at the last minute, I, I think they did an admirable job of that, even if it stings to have to, you know, settle a little bit. And who knows, you know, this, this guy may be, you know, Teddy Bruschi. He may be freaking incredible. Um, <laughs> right. But, yeah, and I think there's kind of a lot of examples of that. Um, but I do think the class, uh, in order to consider the class like a raging success, you have to assume a lot of things. You have to assume uh, that Javon Patterson is just 100% can't miss, uh, probably helps immediately. You have to assume that uh, one of the tackles that we signed, uh, you know, Michael Howard and Alex Gibbons, you're both uh, guys with high ceilings, but, you know, maybe a low floor too. You have to assume that at least one of those guys is going to be uh, a huge success. Uh, right. And then you have to assume that, uh, you know, just a couple of the things, you know, maybe even more than a couple, just really kind of go our way in terms of player development. You have to assume that, uh, you know, Zedric Woods is a good Husky. You have to assume that Armani Linton uh, can really step in at free safety, which, you know, I think he can, but again, you know, the class asks you to make a bunch of assumptions about, you know, coaches evaluations and, and their ability to develop those players rather than just saying like, yes, these guys are ready to go. Sure. But, but it's not like they're, I mean, to, to go back to the same point I made, it's not like they're these fringe players, you know, who don't appear to have any place on an sec roster. Right. So um, I guess we can kind of go by, position group a little bit right now. So I kind of want to go in a weird hodgepodge order, uh, but I want to start off with the defensive line group because they're such um, an, an odd group and they're hard to nail down. Uh, there's all kinds of physical 
you know, types. Uh, they come from all over, uh, varying degrees of, uh, you know, star power there. So uh, pretty much in, in order of uh, commitment, I guess, we have B.J. Jones, who, you know, I'm really stoked about. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, from, you go to East Mississippi? I, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, he did. East yeah. Mississippi. Um, you look at his highlight tape, he's, you know, they, they frequently show him making tackles well away from, uh, you know, the line of scrimmage, a, a guy who is huge and terrifying, but also uh, can cover a lot of ground and, and seems to play with a lot of effort. Uh, so we have him, we have, um, we're still well, before you, before you, before you jump over um, away from DJ there, I think you and I talked about this earlier today, Brad, that we really think he might be what we wanted LeVon Hooks to be. Then that yeah, LeVon you know, Hooks was a guy they brought in from JUCO, big guy that was reported to have great athleticism. And, you know, LeVon Hooks played many downs, you know, but he just didn't pop out like we thought he would. And and maybe maybe DJ is the guy that's going to do that. I don't know. Um, but certainly his, there's potential there. I mean, top junior college defensive tackle, you know, yeah. played for East Mississippi, which won two straight national titles. There's, there's promise there. Yeah, yeah. Coaches have been quoted as saying that they expect him to replace the uh, snaps of two departed guys in Levon Hooks and Brian Bennett, um, and that they feel really confident that he can he can do just that. Uh, so, Juco, do you want to continue recapping uh, the rest of our uh, smorgasbord of, of defensive linemen that we signed? Yeah, I can do that. Um, I guess next on the list would. Maybe not chronologically, but Rasul Clemens uh, is a player that I'm sort of excited about. Um, he's a defensive end. He's six foot six. Twenty four seven Sports lists him as 212 pounds, and they have him as a four star. Uh, he's from South Carolina, and he, I guess, maybe not came out of nowhere. I mean, he's certainly a, a highly, relatively highly thought of player. He's a uh, ranked as the number 20 weak side defensive end in the country, according to the composite, and the number 10 player in South Carolina. But I hadn't really heard about Ole Miss recruiting him all that much uh, up until, say, a week or two before he signed with or decommitted Ole Miss, which was on his, his visit, um, which was the big visit weekend. He had offers from great programs, Clemson, Florida State, LSU. I mean, I don't know the viability of these offers, but I – I know that he visited a lot of these places and, you know, a, a number of coaches came and visited him, which is always a sign that they don't dislike him at least. Um, but yeah, he, he's considering that he's six six, two ten is pretty small for a defensive end. So he needs to gain weight, but almost doesn't really have a tremendous need for somebody to immediately step in a defensive end and be ready to go. Uh, particularly with Victor Evans coming off red shirt and uh, just the situation they're in at that position. Um, I just think that he has a physical frame and judging from his film, he's pretty fast for being six, six that eventually he could be a significant impact type of player. Yeah. You got to think that he gives us um, kind of a different look there at that, that smaller defensive end because of his length, you know, Right, right. Um, I, 
I feel like there are some really good defensive lines who are good at getting their hands up and batting down passes, and maybe he could be that kind of guy. And, you know, uh-huh. haven't seen that in him, obviously, because, you know, watched like a three-minute highlight video or whatever. But um, it seems like it's a, you, you can have some different things there versus a guy like uh, C.J. Johnson or Marquise Haynes who are built more like uh, linebackers. Right, right. Uh, then I guess Austrian Robinson. I know that Bob. I think you had some insight in Austrian Robinson, <laughs> name, namely that his first name is Austrian. Yes, it's funny because it's a nationality. It is. Like, uh, it is. It's like Kenyon Drake for Alabama. I thought that's an interesting first name, like Kenyon. <laughs> I feel like if you named your kid Canadian, right? Or like, <laughs> or I guess you know German or, or Hermann is not that uncommon of a first name. Uh, but, yeah. I don't know, I just thought it was funny, so I went with it. That's all I have about him. He's from New York, uh, had a committable yeah. offer to Maryland. Uh, I don't know when he visited. I know that um, both, I know that Maryland thought very highly of him. Take that for what it's worth. I know Maryland's rebuilding as a program right now, uh, but uh, the coaches there thought really highly of him. People. He also uh, had a Miami offer. Oh, see, you know, but Miami has, you know, Miami isn't what Miami used to be. But still, I'm okay with competing against Miami for a recruit. Yeah, that's that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, the U of 1990, the 1990s, you or something. You just suggested that he's the next Warren Sapp, and I think that's okay uh, with him. And offers that he at least lists, or that are at least listed on his profile, include Penn State, Ohio State, uh, Pittsburgh, Rutgers. So you know, there there are some programs there. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't anticipate that a three-star defensive end from Pauling, New York, would have fourteen SEC offers. So it's not all that strange not to see, uh, you know, Alabama or something like that having offered him. Is it odd to think that we now have like two or three kids on the on the team from New York? Are there? Who else? Oh, there's Austrian Chad Kelly. It's from Buffalo. Oh, yeah. And and wasn't that a Potapa guy that like was like a Cameroonian or, uh, oh, Jim, or uh, Jimmy Liber- Jimmy Potapa? Yeah, like an, a Liberian immigrant who who went to high school in New York or something uh, like that. Wasn't that? I believe story? so. I believe and so. And you remember we recruited that Akil Lynch guy out of Buffalo, and he ended up committing to Penn State. He played a good bit for them this year. I don't know. If I you don't remember him. that. It was a guy in Hugh Freeze's first year. It was a running back out of, running out of back. New York, and it was down to us in Penn uh, State. I, I I try to block out anyone that Ole Miss misses out on. Oh. I just totally well, forget. Like, someone mentioned some offensive lineman that Ole Miss was going in on really hard last year towards signing – or really close to signing day that went somewhere else. And I, it was like I had never heard of that person, <laughs> which is funny because I follow recruiting way too much. So that, that should not have been the case. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, funny because he was like it was like Devin Godshow or something like somebody no, starting no, at like no, no, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we I have, guess the old. Uh, Good. Yeah, I guess we have Ross Donnelly left as uh, the last one. He's another defensive tackle, and he's a guy from Texas who kind Houston. of yeah, he kind of first maybe heard about him when Fletcher Adams committed to. Mississippi State as a guy that we might get to come in and, and fill that uh, gap. Um, and then he kind of started leaning towards 
you know, the, the nerd colleges of... Hey, um, mute, your, mute your mic. Mute your mic. Okay. Uh, sort okay, of sorry. Kind of like the, the nerd colleges of Stanford and Vanderbilt, uh, which, hey, you know, nothing wrong with that. If you're getting a free education, it might as well be a really dope one. Um, sure. But didn't, and Stanford uh, is usually good at football. Yeah, usually. And, yeah, I guess word was that he didn't get into Stanford, and then we were uh, next in line for him. And, you know, hey, man, no shame in that. We uh, have more campaigns sure. because he couldn't get into North Carolina because of their That's right. uh, self-inflicted uh, <laughs> difficulties in, I guess, you know, making sure that everybody is on the up and up now. Um, yeah. And now, yeah. now we have an awesome defensive end. Uh, but, you know, back to Donnelly, he is – uh, if you look at his highlight video, this guy is like built like a fire hydrant. He just has uh, an enormous trunk, if you will, huge legs, and he's uh, apparently about you know six foot and a little bit over three hundred pounds, which is uh, you know another you know good look for us. You know, considering that we uh, maybe prefer some. Uh, defensive tackles who have kind of interesting body types like Robert Kimdichie, but then uh, if you line it up and run it down their throat like LSU did, then you kind of wish that you had those uh, fire hydrant-style defensive tackles, and he seems like that's what he is. And he also appears appears to move pretty well. Uh, he's kind of looks hilarious running around uh, with his stocky body, but uh, his highlight tape shows him moving around quite a bit. So, um, you know, again, not a guy with huge, huge offers, but a guy who might turn into uh, a good one for us. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our defensive line guy uh, group. We have a guy from South Carolina uh, who's a beanpole. We have uh, a guy from Texas who wanted to go to Stanford. We have a guy from freaking New York whose first name is Austrian. And then we have, like, a big, uh, you know, Juco uh, guy who, you know, committed to Florida State for a long time. So, yeah, a lot of variety there. Nobody from, from super close to home. Um, so let's talk about um, this wide receiver group. I mean, I think even just being a two-man class, you could make a case that this is the best wide receiver signing class in the country. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I, you know, I haven't looked at all of them, but it's not common for a program to sign two top ten receivers and one of them being, you know, a top two or three receiver. And then also, I guess if you if you count Jalen Julius as a wide receiver, then you know you can talk about him as well. Um, Demarcus Lodge is from Cedar Hill, Texas. He was teammates with Quincy Adeboyjo in high school, and uh, is just expected to be pretty phenomenal um, at a position that Ole Miss doesn't have to have somebody who steps in and plays starter type snaps or anything. They have the luxury of bringing him along and letting him perfect things before he's counted on to do a whole lot. Um, and the same thing with Van Jefferson. Van Jefferson, his father is the wide receivers coach for the Titans. I can tell you not just from hearing that, but from looking at the way that he runs routes on on film. I mean, he he's incredibly crisp when, whenever he makes cuts. They are they are strong strong cuts. He turns to change his direction really well. Uh, I, I can't speak to like his blocking technique or anything like that. I'm, I'm not a wide receivers coach type of guy, but uh, I would assume that he's 
not too bad in that department. Uh, he needs to gain a little bit of weight as well. Well, depending on the site, some sites list him as 180, which is not unreasonable. I think he's 6'2". Some sites list him as 160, which would be pretty tough to do in uh, in college football. Yeah, 6'2", 160 is not where you want to be. Um, no. Bob, what you, uh, what you think about these guys? Well, you know, both of them are obviously talents that a lot of schools wanted. DeMarcus Laws was being heavily recruited by – he had committed to Texas A&M at one point, and, and he, he had to – we had to fight off both the Aggies and the Longhorns today to get his signature, which is nice. Think, think uh, about Jane that. Jefferson. Just, I know. Just think about – I mean, he's he's a, an elite receiver talent, receiving talent from Texas who spurned Texas and Texas A&M to come to Ole Miss. I mean, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot to be said about that. Uh, and then, then you got uh, Van Jefferson, obviously. You know, Georgia offer, Georgia commit for a while. Uh, serious push from Oklahoma and Michigan. Uh, I think that says enough about, you know, the, the level of talent there for all those coaches. If, if Harbaugh and Stoops are coming after you, that's a good sign. And, uh, you know, he, both of them, Lodge and Jefferson, really do use their body well. Uh, if we're going to talk about what they do as receivers, they get up, they, they're physical, they can – attack the ball at its highest point. Lodge in particular is very good at that from what I saw in this highlight tape. Uh, I, I really – I want to take this as an opportunity, though, to shame people who tweet at recruits. Uh, and if <laughs> Juco and I have talked about this, if you're a, 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 a booksome blonde or something, go for it. But uh, if you are uh, – Yeah, like uh, grown, I saw that a Mississippi State cheerleader had tweeted at a recruit and somebody was like, come on now. Like, no, that's totally allowed. Yeah, I mean – like. The, we get it. You know, uh, I mean, that's, that's just the way that works. Guy tweeted at Demarcus Lodge. So this this Georgia fan. There are a lot of Georgia fans tweeting all kinds of awful things at Demarcus Lodge and Michigan fans. And Oklahoma fans weren't awful. They were just particularly creepy. Wait, 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 uh, wait, 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 wait. You're talking about Van Jefferson. Yeah. Yeah, you said Demarcus Lodge. Okay, well, both. It doesn't matter. It was Texas and Texas fans in particular were being particularly uh, gnarly to uh, Lodge. But this one Georgia fan said, and you have. Um, Listeners, you have to pardon my language. I'm quoting someone. He said, you should come to Athens where there'll be lots of fine bitches waiting on you, winky face. <laughs> like, <laughs> saying that to someone that you don't know who is in high school. That's weird. Don't do that. It makes you look like it a terrible weird. person. And then, like, some – God, there were, like, people that were just like uh, – like, you, you're an idiot. What, am I, what a stupid decision to make, like. Dude, he doesn't have to do a damn thing like that you want him to do. You don't even know this guy. People are weird. Uh, yeah, there was actually I, I, I saw I saw a Tennessee fan who tweeted at Drew Richmond when this weird thing happened when Tennessee fans for some reason today thought they weren't going to sign Drew Richmond. I I don't really understand what that was about, but like this morning they were on pins and needles. I mean, I know that there was a time where it was rumored that maybe he was, but like that was a a short time span. I'm talking about it like 8 a.m. Yeah, I'm Tennessee fans about. were just like, "Oh my God, what are you hearing on Drew Richmond?" Like he he decommitted from Ole Miss. Every, he had just visited Tennessee. Everyone knows that he's going to Tennessee. Anyway, so for some reason, they, they thought they weren't going to get him. And this Tennessee fan tweeted something like, you're such a fat bitch. I hope you have fun losing to Tennessee in Oxford, or something like that. It's like, dude, chill out. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, like, does he think and, Drew Richmond is reading that and being like, oh, man, he got me. He got me. He got me. Really <laughs> Drew Richmond is sobbing. <laughs> 
in the corner. <laughs> I've made a terrible mistake. No, Ball for Life 69 doesn't like me. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, that's, uh, all, that's all we got. Good receivers. What else can you say? Uh, move on. Yeah. 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 So, um, also sure. like the group that we have uh, with the defensive secondary. I mean, uh, obviously we, oh, yeah. we lack, yeah, we lack like uh, a ridiculous high school cornerback. Um, but those are, uh, those are at a huge premium, you know? It yeah. always seems like there's a lot of guys uh, who are in the top, like, 10 or 20 or so recruits in the entire country who are cornerbacks. And then there's just yeah. this big, this big void and you don't see any more like dedicated cornerbacks until, you know, you get into lower four-star guys. Is, is that crazy or does that sound right? That sounds reasonable. I mean, you know, obviously Ole Miss would, any program would love to sign great corners every year, but this was not a year that they had to do that. I mean, it wasn't like a, sure. a dire need or a situation, you know, they could get away with with doing what they did, and they signed two corners that I, I think are you know promising players. They they have good height, which is always fun to see in in high school corners. Um, in Cameron Ordway and uh, Montrell Custis. Yeah, uh, sure. and then and then Armani Linton is a safety that I think you already talked a little bit about, but from Walnut, Mississippi. Um, yeah, they're they're all big guys, which is fun to see in a secondary. You know, as long as they're not sacrificing speed, and I guess we'll know soon enough whether whether they are sacrificing speed. But uh, the secondary certainly got. I think that the, the buzzword people like to use is longer, uh, but I'll say taller. <laughs> uh, this this signing day, and I think that's important with the type of receivers that are becoming in vogue in college football now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Armani Linton is what six three. Yeah, he's listed at six two, six three. Um, yeah, great size there. And um, Bob, I think I don't know. You, do you want to talk about uh, Tony Bridges a little bit? Maybe some of the things that that we he hear about him, or you know, anybody else in the secondary? I, mean, I think it's a lot of a lot of good guys to talk about. Well, before we before we before we bump to Bridges, I did want to mention, uh, you know, Armani Linton played at Walnut Attendance Center, which is like a one A school, like a half A uh-huh. school, right? Um, and he, you know, was like their he was their all offense guy. He, you know, he had something like fifteen hundred yards of offense and a, like a billion touchdowns or something. And then he was know, Cody nothing Pruitt. short of. Yeah, he was Cody Pruitt for this team. And now we're not saying yeah. he's going to be Cody Pruitt. No, no, he's no. One no. of these guys. No, no, no. But he's one of those guys like Cody Pruitt, who's just like such a natural, fluid athlete that they just, or like you know, they just put the ball in his hands and make him do something. And, and he might be really raw as a result. That that's just my caution there. But yeah. other than that, I mean, he he looks good. He looks tall and strong, and, and he. He certainly has the frame to be a good safety. It's just, you know, it's the question of how raw is he because he hasn't played that 5A, 6A level football. It's been this 1A, scrappy kind of football. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, if you're going to take in a, a, a guy from a, a smaller division like that, he might as well be like a defensive back or something like that because there might not be quite as much innate uh, technical knowledge that you need uh, for that position, you know, really you need to be instinctive and you need to be athletic and, you know, as, as best we can tell, 
you've got plenty of both of those things. Yeah, a lot, a lot of reason to be excited about him. He's a guy that started off, you know, committed to the state, flying way under that radar, and then he blew up um, uh, ranking-wise, became, uh, you know, a top 200 kind of player by uh, by the metrics of a, a couple of the recruiting sites. And that's awesome. Top 200 players are, you know, what we want to go for, you know. Yeah, I mean, four star by some services too, you know, for for whatever whatever that's worth. I mean, yeah, I mean, I wasn't trying to bemoan him. I was just saying, you know, um, people are quick to make a lot of comparisons, and I think it's just important to remember that, you know. But also, I also don't think raw is necessarily bad. Raw is another fancy way of saying natural athlete. You know, he's not refined. He, he might not have what he lacks in technique. Maybe perhaps he makes up for in just being good at doing athletic things running and jumping and tackling, that sort of thing. <laughs> that sort of thing, indeed. Um, yeah. Let's see. So, uh, Bob, where, where do you want to go with the, the conversation from here? Who who uh, who uh, sparks your you know, interest right now? Uh, what about, you know, I know we mentioned Jalen Julius, but he's a guy that, that could play. They said he could play slot. He could play corner. He could be a big-time return guy. I think he's a really interesting prospect. He was a guy that was committed to Louisville for a while was seriously considering a Notre Dame offer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, he's a guy that I'm a little bit more excited about than, than some of the other uh, three stars on the, uh, on the uh, team just because of, you know, what, what I see as maybe he's like the next, 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 next Dexter McCluster, right? Like the small guy from Florida, super athletic. That or it could be the oh, next Corbett Mead. I'm not sure. Right, right. Well, <laughs> you know, I think Jalen Julius, I, I, I think he's very fast. Uh, from looking at his highlight tape, I mean, he is he is noticeably fast. That is something that you can tell immediately, especially if you I'm not I'm not a scout or something like that. But uh, if you watch enough of these high school films to sort of have an idea of the speed most players should be running, uh, he is he is faster than that. And uh, I actually got on. Hugh Kellenberger's uh, recruiting chat today after signing day, which he graciously did, I'm sure, instead of what he wishes he could have been doing, which is just drinking profusely uh, since (laughs) since signing day was essentially over. And um, I posed the question of if you could pick one player who – and this is maybe putting too too big an expectation on him, but who could have a Marquise – Haynes-like impact in that he would uh, develop into a pretty significant rotational player, which I I think is a good description of Marquis Haynes. I mean, he was a freshman All-American. He led the team in sacks and everything, but it's not like he was a starter. I mean, he he had his role and he understood it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, And the player that he named, actually, was Jalen Julius. Um, Essentially... uh, I also had a descriptor that he had to be sort of lightly recruited in some in some respect, uh, and he said, you know, it, so you it, it may not be. So you tailored the question in a way that you tailored the question in a way that Jalen Julius was the only answer he could have given. No way! No way! <laughs> They're like, what? No light, way! What lightly recruited athlete out of the Miami area was? <laughs> uh, he goes. He goes. Uh, Sean Curtis, and I'm like, damn it, <laughs> I didn't think about that. He's also a lightly recruited athlete out of the Miami area. Uh, no, but anyway, I think that uh, 
Hugh Kellenberger's point was that obviously he'll have an opportunity on punt returns, but he's also very versatile in his ability to get involved with offense or defense wherever they end up putting him. Though, I guess thinking about that, both of those positions are, interestingly enough, positions that Ole Miss doesn't struggle with. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, you definitely get the feeling that he was brought in uh, for special teams. Uh, like, uh-huh. like you mentioned, Juco, we, we didn't have a pressing need at receiver or corner, um, yet we brought Julius in, and you know, that seems to be kind of the prevailing thought. And, you know, we we struggled there so much. And if we've seen anything about Freeze and the way he recruits receivers, we like uh, giant, lanky receivers um, who are able to outbody people uh, rather than, you know, juke around them. Um, and he likes to recruit, you know, bigger cornerbacks as well. And, you know, not necessarily these cornerbacks uh, who are – you know, going to be a return then necessarily, you know, uh, I'm sure we could have made some close goals on a pretty good return guy if we wanted to, but, uh, you know, needed him so bad that, you know, couldn't, couldn't really afford to do that. And, and I think that's, that's what we're seeing in, in Jalen Julius, a guy who's going to be put back there and is going to be extensively coached on, you know, how, how we want to assess risk as, uh, as returners. Uh, Cause we did, you know, a pretty bad job of that at times, uh, you know, having, having guys, uh, catch punts inside the five, having guys, uh, you know, make dumb decisions as returners or just bobble the ball. Uh, we have <laughs> hopefully a dedicated guy who can spend, you know, the bulk of his effort on that. So that's pretty exciting. Um, so yeah, secondary looking pretty good. Uh, Tony Bridges is a fantastic talent and a guy who uh, has interesting height uh, considering that we are losing our free safety. And he's a guy who, in my mind, um, you know, we could possibly stick in there at free safety some if maybe a C.J. Hampton or Armani Linton or whoever is struggling a little bit. So that's exciting to me. Um, I think we do uh, owe it to the rest of the guys we haven't talked about to kind of speed things up a little bit. So with that in mind, um, I guess we should talk briefly about the the quarterback and and running back that we have committed in Jason Pellerin and Eric Sweeney. Those are both guys that uh, didn't generate the drama and really, you know, conducted themselves in in an awesome way that that makes you feel good to to have them on the team. Um, Bob, talk about one of those guys. I'll talk about Eric Swinney since he's the guy that I – he, to me, is the Dante Moncrief of this class. And by that, I mean Dante Moncrief in the class that he came in. Remember, it was him, Tobias Singleton, and Nick Brazel were all brought in to be receivers. And everybody yeah. sweated out Nick Brazel and Tobias Singleton because they held out. They didn't, you know, uh, commit early. They visited a lot of schools. It was down to us in state for Singleton, and it was down to us in Alabama for Brazel. Whereas Moncrief – Committed early, didn't take any visits. It was like, I'm going to go to Ole Miss. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what Eric Swinney did. And I think people are not, like, geeked about him because he's just kind of always been there on the commitment list. There was no drama yeah. there. He committed early, didn't visit anywhere, didn't waver in his commitment, was just always 
all in with this class. And, and there's a lot of potential there. I mean, every recruiting service considers him one of the best running backs in the South. And he is, he's a guy who's stocky. He's stout. Uh, he, he isn't, you know, a burner, but he, when he gets into the open field, he definitely takes advantage of it. He is, he has incredible balance. He's a guy that moves laterally, gets into holes, and does it with a fluidity that's very, very unusual for a high school player to be so, so stout and yet so, so fluid. He's great balance, great vision, understands football, clearly has some football instincts as well. Just, I, I'm, I'm very excited about this guy as a runner, mostly because he seems to me that I don't want to make any sort of weird comparison comparing him to some NFL player or anything. I'll just say that he's a guy that is really good at getting into, the, into space when he needs to get into space, and he's a guy that's really hard to tackle. I don't want to make any comparison. I'll just say he's, you know, the next Adrian Peterson. I, mean, you know. I was going to say Marshawn Lynch. Because <laughs> Marshawn Lynch is a no. Marshawn Lynch, Mar, uh, Marshawn Lynch is a guy that that, no. ha, that has football no. instincts. He reads the line well. He gets into his. He gets into the open field. He gets into space, and he's really hard to tackle. To an extreme. So, like, you know, a Madden is like 99 and all of those ratings, right? Eric Swinney's not, but he, he, he has those qualities, right? Um, you know, you really have to dedicate, I mean, at the high school level at least, you really have but to he's not really the power back. He's not really the power back that Marshawn Lynch is. I mean, y- you know what Lynch I mean? Like, has a lot of finesse. Marshawn Lynch yeah. has a lot of finesse and agility, though. So calling sure. him a power back is misleading, too. Well, I guess what I mean is, is when complete. I see- yeah, I just don't see Sweeney when he gets hit currently where he is now. When he gets hit in college, I don't see him churning out two or three more yards with people piling on him. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen, at least not right. today. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then Jason Pellerin. You right mentioned back quarterback. And forth on the sidewalk in front of him. <laughs> this is, this is, uh, he J- just, Jason he just Pellerin. Right in front of a bus on a Segway. What the, what the hell is going on here? I live in a Did it hit him? No, Did but he's the bus right hit him? in front of it, like, excuse me. No. Uh, <laughs> but he just kind of like, I'm going to, excuse me, I'm clearly very important. I'm on a second. He just kind of zoomed right in. I hate uh, that guy. Jason, I don't even know Jason that guy. Jason Teller. I don't, I don't, I do not like, I don't like the fact that that guy exists. Okay. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. So Jason Pellerin <laughs> is a, a large quarterback from Louisiana who who has spent his entire or almost his entire high school career as a runner, but apparently has displayed enough passing ability to catch the eye of our coaches. Um, and I'm actually really excited about Jason Pellerin. He is, he, I think he's ranked as a four star on, is it 24 seven that ranks him as a four star? Uh, he is one of the, he is one of the, 18 four-stars asterisk uh, that Ole Miss signed today because um, at least one site ranks him as a four-star. And, yeah, he's just a really appealing player. I, I don't think he had any other very legitimate good offers, but I don't know. There's something about him. <laughs> Maybe it's just that I hold out hope that eventually Ole Miss will sign a good high school quarterback. But, uh, yeah, th- there's just something – Intriguing about him. I guess maybe his size and uh, and speed combination. Yeah, certainly gives us something uh, different there. And uh, that I'm excited about. Um, so let's see. That pretty much covers it. I don't think we've talked um, specifically about 
offensive line and linebacker. Um, yeah. So the dreaded positions. Yeah, yeah. I've been kind of saving those for last. I mean, they're both. Well, you got you got Patterson. Yeah. You got yeah. Patterson definitely have pedal. You know, he's a guard, but he's one of the best in the country. Something to be said for that. You know, one thing about this class is it doesn't have the elite players that we wanted it to have. It doesn't have the C.C. Jeffersons or the, or the uh, you know, Drew Richmonds. But it does have Javin Patterson, who's considered one of the top guards in the country. That's a, that's a bright spot. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's in Oxford right now, too. He is in the program, uh, which makes me feel uh, really good about, you know, how that's, how that's working out and his potential to, you know, play a lot and possibly even start at times as a freshman. Uh, so we have him, and we have a couple of projects in uh, Alex Givens and Michael Howard that we've already talked about, uh, guys that don't weigh quite enough yet and guys who maybe played a little bit lower levels uh, of football in uh, Florida and Tennessee, respectively. But and I will say both of those had some relatively impressive offers. They did. They did. Oregon and uh, – who else wanted Howard? I knew Oregon wanted him, and Florida wanted him as well. Um, North, North yeah. Carolina offered Howard. North Carolina had extended an offer, if I yeah. recall. Yeah. But see, the problem yeah. is right now he's listed as six six two fifty, so he certainly needs to bulk up some. Um, yeah, he had other offers from Cal, uh, Cincinnati. Let's see, come on. Ugh, stupid iPad. Essentially, there were there were other good programs that that wanted him, and um, Alex Gibbons had several very good offers. But Tennessee offered him, right? Sure, I, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah, uh, they signed like forty people. Like they they signed the entire Wu Tang Clan. It's it's amazing. Like <laughs> how, how many? I'm 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 not a Butch Jones fan right now. Uh, uh-huh. Never mind. That's not even here nor there. Uh, yeah, Tennessee, Ohio State, uh, Vanderbilt, Virginia, Nebraska, Mississippi State, uh, Cincinnati, Louisville, Miami. Yeah, he had some pretty good offers. Yeah, so, you know, we have a lot of reason to, to feel good about these guys, but, you know, certainly wanted that, that surefire guy in there. And I think that makes us probably take uh, two offensive tackles from junior college if we can next year, which is, you know, unfortunate. We know from trying to recruit guys like Martinez Rankin and Avery Genesee that, you don't you know, that's it's easier said than done. Uh, junior college – offensive linemen are going to be aware of a playing time situation. And while ours looks good, it might be hard to recruit two, even though we probably need to. So right. this is in, in kind of a bad spot there. Uh, you know, it'll it'll be a real test for Hugh Freeze and company for how they uh, get out of that particular pickle that they're in right now. Um, so closing it out. Yeah, I mean, about, I, I, I think that before we proceed, we should talk about, I mean, losing Drew Richmond – was a devastating blow to that aspect of the class. I mean, so solving that immediate foreseeable need of a a tackle who is dependable, who you know is is thought to be a potential NFL player. Um, that was a that was a pretty big 
big hit, mostly because of the way it happened. I mean, I think that if the whole time, uh, you know, Ole Miss had been going after a lot of players and just it not working out with them, uh, then then that'd be one thing. But having this guy committed for so long since September, and then to lose him three days three days before signing day, that's just utterly devastating. I mean, he was yeah. the number the number one or two offensive tackle, depending on the site that you look at. Yeah, he did us he did us pretty dirty for sure. Well, but you know, um, I, I, I hesitate to say that. I I took that approach at first as well, but I hesitate to say that. You know, at the same time, Sean Curtis, I guess, did pit dirty. I mean, you know, he was committed to them for for a while and and flipped to Ole Miss today. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that. I mean, T. Shepard last year. Yeah, but I guess the biggest problem, and I don't know whether either of those players did that to their respective schools, but the biggest problem is it it seems as though uh, Drew Richmond caused Ole Miss to back off of a lot of other options they could have had at tackle because they didn't want to scare him away. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether that's something he told them to do or anything like that, but it ended up, you know, really, really hurting Ole Miss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... That's the only reason I said that. Uh, kids are obviously free to do whatever they want to, but you know you uh, ought to have a little bit more respect for the the people that are recruiting. You know, even though uh, you know those recruiters obviously seek to gain from your signature, it's still um, you know part of a, a process that ought to be. Uh, ought to have a little bit more respect top to bottom and how the coaches treat the prospects and, and, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah. With, with that in mind, we'll, we'll uh, switch to Sean Curtis. I, I touched on him a little bit. I'm actually uh, very glad to have him. I think that the coaches did a great job of identifying him uh, as a guy who, you know, while not highly ranked fits a lot of the criteria that they look for as far as productivity on a, high level, having good measurables, uh, things like that. And then, uh, you know, the other guys, Terry Caldwell, who has a lot of the same things uh, just from the junior college level. If you watch their film, they both move extremely well, seemingly for their size. They both, you know, really cover a lot of fields and really, uh, you know, not that I'm an expert, they seem to really play the way that linebackers uh, you would want them to play as far as, uh, diagnosing plays, getting off of blocks, things like that. Um, but again, you're, you're really left hurting by the lack of, uh, you know, what's perceived to be a really dynamic player who's committed to us for a long time in, in Leo Lewis. Um, but I don't want to dwell on that too long. I'll, I'll probably write a Huffy article about it for the cup, um, tomorrow, but I guess we got just a couple of minutes left. I think we're at about 50 right now. So I think we'll maybe try to cap it at about five more minutes. Um, we talked about any kind of crazy goings on with recruiting or talk about, you know, the team in general moving forward or, you know, open, open discussion, Bob, what, you know, Oh, it's open season. All right, great. Uh, here's what I'll say. Uh, Tennessee fans are childish and stupid on Twitter. Uh, after Drew Richmond, after Drew Richmond left Ole Miss and then when he committed today, uh, I was, Lord, at A, how many of them there are. Uh, big stadium, I guess I should have uh, reasoned that one out. But at just how – I find it funny that there are people that – it's okay to celebrate 
somebody's commitment, we certainly sure, celebrate when we, oh, you yeah. know, but to, gl- to gloat about it as if you had a damn thing to do with it is uh-huh. obscenely, they're like, Hey, old piss. How does my ass taste? Like, I don't know. <laughs> no, no idea. I don't know. I don't know why you're asking. <laughs> Yeah, pretty uh, much. Like, like, like these people like gloating at us, like at at, at Red Cup Rebellion, as if we had anything to do with this, and as if they had anything to do with it. Yeah, it's, like it's, you guys at Red Cup were such huge annoying. failures in your in your recruitment of Drew Richmond, and and yeah. me at Vol Fan for Life '69. I did everything. <laughs> I did all of the things to make this work. Like, I just uh, I was floored. I know. I know. Look, there are there are there are dipshits in. It. Every fan base. I have encountered plenty of Ole Miss fans that are obnoxious and stupid on the internet, but I've just never seen them out in full force the way that I saw it with Tennessee fans and Drew Richmond. And it's like it'd be one thing if they were gloating after like a football game or something. I don't know. There's just so many elements to it that make it just so strange. Like, why are you bragging? I don't. I don't get it. It was so. And they. People thought like I was getting my feelings so like no I just think you're all annoying, uh, uh, and I, I probably I probably muted like thirty people on Twitter mm-hmm. because like I had well, to. my phone kept blowing up for no reason. Let, let me thank Tennessee fans for somehow finding their way to our story about uh, about Drew Richmond decommitting because that yielded like eight hundred comments and thousands of page views which. Translates to roughly several cents for us. So, well, thank you. Don't, 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 don't be, don't do the Coach Thirty Four thing. Like, oh, we get a bunch of business. Like, they were annoying. <laughs> they were annoying and, and and shitty on the internet. I don't want them yeah. around. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, okay, if you owned a hotel and like somebody took a shit in the bed and like like <laughs> like they checked in, shat in the bed, and then left. Would you be like, well, they did pay me the ninety nine dollars. I guess they can do whatever they want. Like, no, no. You'd be like, I that would. You don't know. Shit in my bed. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, that's ninety nine bucks I didn't have yesterday. I, I only read about a third of that thread. I was I was busy with something else, but I was like, I really should just go through and ban all these people. And I don't. Know I read zero I thirds of it. Okay, uh, uh, Brad. I know you went through and did some banning, right? I I did. Yeah, I, I hid some, some some race baiting comments, which are super tactful and not terrible and ridiculous at all. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it shows it shows people. when people and, use that. It shows they have a very nuanced way of thinking. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, I bet I bet that you wouldn't find any examples of you know <laughs> casually ingrained racism in their behavior or attitudes at all either, being from you know Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a topic I'd like to talk about. I want to talk about how Ole Miss is up 67-59 on Texas A&M with five seconds left in the game and at the line shooting. It's over. Uh, this is a tremendous game. Yeah, well, you, you can't take any more details about the game now because you'd be violating an FCC rule. You can't like anything specific, like score. I'm serious. I'm totally – did you know that? Since we're not, like, mm. authorized to broadcast the game, we can't be like, ooh, they're up. Like, we can say it, like, once right now. So, uh, so just okay, well, you know. Okay. I know the FCC is like, the FCC's not going to do anything, but I just, I just think that's a funny rule. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no, no descriptions or accounts of the game for NFL as well. So all the NFL blogs yeah, are yeah. just, like, totally crap. 
yeah. No, uh, I, I won't talk any more about the actual game itself, but uh, Texas A&M in Joe Lenardi's latest bracket, Ole Miss and Texas A&M are both uh, projected to be 11 seeds. And so mm-hmm. knocking and Texas A&M is top 30 RPI. So yep. knocking them off, yeah, it's final, 69-59. Um, knocking them yeah, off with a win like that, that's, that is pretty big for their whole resume. And that's, I think, five wins in a row or four wins in a row. Yeah, we're yeah. doing pretty good right now. It's, it's, it's one of those things, right? Like, this team has some pretty bad losses, but they have some pretty good wins. You got wins over Arkansas and Texas A&M now, win over Oregon, win over Cincinnati, win over Creighton. I mean, there's some, there's some quality wins that this team can, can point to and say, see, but they also have yeah. some bad losses. I, I, think, I think today the committee puts Ole Miss in. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, so, too. I think so, too. Yep. So, oh, oh, AK maybe saving his job for another couple of years. That would be pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, if he goes to the uh, tournament, what can you do, right? Oh, <laughs> like, well, of course. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's no, that, your that job. Buys him, that buys him another bad year. You know, if he wants to have one, I hope he doesn't. But <laughs> yeah. If he wants I mean, to it would be. <laughs> Imagine how it would be to be Andy Kennedy if if Andy Kennedy didn't make it through this year. Imagine how terrible it would be to, like, be the coach in the final season that you had to be in the tad pad and not be able to get to enjoy a single season of the pavilion. I mean, that would just be yeah. so terrible. The, the pavilion pavilion, as I'm going to start calling right. it. <laughs> That's so great. Get it? Uh, I do get it. It's like, it's like that time when you said Andrew, Andrew, and I like snorted milk out my nose or something, even though I hadn't been drinking milk. <laughs> You're talking about Andy. Yeah, Andy. I, I haven't, I haven't had that. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Yep. Um, Dad, I, mean, I might let's, never let's have. Moody, a, let's give Moody a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen yeah. points. Major uh, Moody's a baller. That's pretty much it. The whole shout out I got. Yep. Um, shoot, guys, we need to wind this thing down and. This has been much okay. less a Red Cup reacts and more of a long Red Cup radio. Um, but yeah, well, man. Uh, it, it was it was an eventful day. I mean, it wasn't like we you know we had nothing to talk about. Yeah, it's definitely true, and we'll have a lot of blog content that you know further expounds on what we were talking about tonight. And yeah, uh, you know, hope that you guys have enjoyed listening. Uh, those three of you who presumably listen. Um, and we'll uh, we'll cuss out you on the blog. So, howdy, howdy, and good night, everyone. And again, see you on. The, I'm trying to find the window to close this thing down. So uh, and oh, you have to press the little red button. That's the thing. Just press the button. Just press the button. I have like four little windows up. Uh, <laughs> all right, yeah. It's howdy, like howdy, a, howdy. You have to, it's, it's behind.